Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the last man standing with loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and we're going to be looking back at Freddie Lundberg's first game in charge. It finished Norwich City 2, Arsenal 2. Hello, hello, hello. Good evening and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by the last man standing with loserpool.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on today's edition, we're going to be looking back at Freddie Jungberg's first game in charge as Arsenal boss. It finished uh, as a 2-2 draw. A bit of a disappointing result in the end, um, given the way we started the game in terms of our performance anyway. Um, but I'm going to be running you through it, going to be sharing my thoughts uh, with you on the subject. Now, those of you that are listening on audio might be wondering why I didn't do any reaction to the Unai Emery second. I have, but it's exclusively on YouTube. That's purely because, as you can imagine, in my new job, when the news broke, I was absolutely inundated with work. Um Started at God knows what time in the morning and I finished uh, late in the evening, almost missed a dinner with my friends as well um, because I had so, so much to catch up on. So my thoughts are on YouTube. I never got around to uploading it uh, onto the audio platforms, but you can find it on YouTube. It's just a, a brief video uh, expressing my thoughts uh, at the news that Unai Emery had, of course, been sacked. Now, let's start off. Um, by saying hello to those who are in the live chat. Big hello to Omar, Anonymous T, Paul Myrus, uh, Gear, Peterson, Matt Hales, uh, and everybody else, of course, listening to us later on. If you're watching it back or tuned in via iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, all the usual places. <laughs> Let's begin by uh, touching on uh, the stats. Let's look at some of the stats from the game. Uh, Anonymous T says, is there same old Arsenal tonight, Harry? There is, mate. Uh, shortly after this, 7.30, we'll be uh, going live on there so make sure you tune in and subscribe to that too looking forward to catching up with the boys over there I've not been there uh, for a couple of weeks now due to work but I'm back uh, and looking forward to it right let's start with the statistics now in terms of possession Norris City had 39% Arsenal 60% of the ball we dominated possession um, at Carrow Road which was an encouraging sign and you could see by the team that Freddie Lundberg picked that was what he was looking to do um you know, it sounds really basic and really simple, but ultimately, if you control the ball and you have possession, you're less likely to concede goals. Obviously, maybe not in Arsenal's case, but in a normal team's case anyway. So the theory makes sense. Um, and we succeeded in, in that department anyway. In terms of shots on goal, Arsenal had 16 to Norwich's 15. For once, we had a lot at goal than our opponents. Um, and, and, you know, 15 against Norwich to concede is, is not good, but it's a, a lot better than some of the, the recent tallies in uh, recent weeks, of course. Um, that's pretty much all I'm going to go into in terms of uh, uh, statistics. If you look at the clearances one, that one jumps out on the screen to me as well. Norwich made 35 clearances, Arsenal made 14, which shows you how many times Arsenal were getting the ball into the box uh, from those wide areas. Not with much success, but it was happening. It is a step in the right direction. Um, let's have a look at the starting lineups. Now, I know a lot of you were not best pleased with Freddie Lundberg's starting lineup. And when I saw Freddie Lundberg's starting lineup, I was quite, I don't know. I don't want to say underwhelmed because that's not, not the, the right expression. I guess when I looked at it, 
at first there were a few selections in there that I looked at and I thought, you know, what is he doing? But then when I looked at it in a little bit more detail and I calmed down and I thought about it um, with a bit more, you know, composure, it actually made sense to me. You're probably sitting there thinking, what the fuck is he talking about? How did it make sense? Well, I'll tell you why. If you look at the defense and you look at the changes that, that he made, of course, Hector Bayerin wasn't fit. Um, he's still suffering from a hamstring problem. So, you know, Callum Chambers was always going to come in at right back. I'm glad he switched to a back four um, because I think we we lose the midfield when we play with the three. Um, I think that extra man is so, so important in the middle of the park, particularly when you haven't got great players there as it is. Um, Mustafi came back into the side and lots of people give it the odd, you know, oh, for fuck's sake, why is Mustafi back in the side? People don't like him. I get it. Um, but for me, when you think about the way Socrates has been playing of late, he's been really, really poor, really poor. And Mustafi's done okay in the cup games. He's done okay in the Europa League. So for me, that made sense. And I don't have any questions uh, around that. I'm not going to get on Freddie's back about that. Um, and I actually think that the reason he went with a central defensive pairing that he did yesterday was, was for a simple reason. When you look at the back two there, Lewis and Mustafi, you would argue that probably in terms of on the ball, they're our best two centre-halves in the sense that they can bring the ball out, that they can play passes. Um, and, and, you know, it seems like whoever he picks in that the heart of that defence, we're going to concede goals. So if you want to play a possession-based game and you want to dominate possession, then it makes sense to play those two. Um, you know, Mustafi didn't have a great game, but I, I think he's been unfairly criticised again. Surprise, surprise. I think that the, the situations that people are talking about him being caught out of position, for me, he's, you know, if you're a centre-back and you look to your right and your right-back's not there and you look to your left and your left-back's not there and your centre-midfield have not bothered to track back, then what exactly are you expecting him to do? And that's my point. It's always been my point about Arsenal. This side exposes certain players and there are certain positions on the pitch that when you're in an Arsenal shirt, you're going to be in trouble. And it doesn't matter how fucking good you are, you are going to struggle. And centre-back is one of those. Now, I thought particularly in the first half, we controlled possession really well, partly because those two were able to step a little bit forward and were able to play, you know, accurate and crisp passes. You know, the, the passing was a lot quicker along the back line. We took a lot less of those stupid risks we've been taking. And that's because we pushed the, the defence right up, further up, almost to the halfway line at times. Mustafi is a little bit quicker than David Lewis or Socrates. He gives you that ability to push a little bit further forward. So whilst people poke fun at him, whilst, whilst people laugh at him, for me, he warrants a place in that starting eleven. And I think Freddie made the right decision bringing him in. Disagree all you like, that's my opinion. Um, and I stick by that. And I think the first half in particular um, showed that we are a more complete team with those two at centre-backs when we can actually start play from there. Um, Serge Lasinac came in at left-back. Again, people raised their eyebrows about that. But ultimately, Kieran Tierney has not been up to standard in the last few weeks. I thought it was really, really poor against Southampton. Obviously conceded the penalty. But in recent weeks, he's just looked really, really off the pace. And you can't have that at this level. Taking him out of the team was a good thing. I thought Kalasinac did okay yesterday. Um, and that brings me on to another player um, who was controversially put into the side, and that is Granit Xhaka. Now, for me, as I've said on, on previous occasions, Granit Xhaka should have been in the team weeks ago. For me, the whole situation 
with the fans was stupid. It shouldn't have happened. It was an unfortunate series of events, but ultimately it should have been Nick Jacker should have been brought in the team sooner so that it could pass and we can get on with it. Because when he's not been in the team, we've been fucking worse. And that is the bottom line. Arsenal have been a lot worse without Granite Jacker. And for what it is worth, with the exception of, of, of Aubameyang, who of course scored a couple of goals, I thought that Granit Xhaka was Arsenal's best player yesterday, and I genuinely mean that. He tracked back, which people criticise him for not doing. There was a couple of situations he got Mustafi uh, out of uh, hot water. Uh, and for me, he, he did really well. I thought he was the best player. Um, Matteo Genduzzi alongside him, for me, he was shocking. Again, um, just, you know, positionally, Matteo Genduzzi is an absolute mess. And I'm going to show you on the graphic for those of you watching, those of you listening, I'm going to explain it. But for me, Matteo Genduzzi needs to sit and help Granite Xhaka. When we're out of possession, Granite Xhaka needs to, to, to get into this position here and protect the back line. But ultimately, Genduzzi needs to sit next to him because the entire width of the pitch is far too much for one player to cover, particularly when it's a player who is like Granite Xhaka and not particularly athletic. Genduzzi doesn't do that, though. Genduzzi pulls out to the right. Genduzzi pulls out to the left. Genduzzi is all over the fucking place. And in recent weeks, his performances have been dire, yet he still gets in the team. And I know at the minute we're struggling because Danny Sabayas is out, etc. But for me, the most balanced pairing that Arsenal had in the middle of the park last season at any point was Granit Xhaka and Lucas Torreira. Whether you think they are good enough for Arsenal in the long term is a completely different matter. The fact is they are what we have now. And Torreira keeps going on international duty and doing fantastic jobs for Uruguay against the likes of Argentina. He needs to be played in his right position. And it's not happening at the moment. And and, and as a result of it, he's not getting in the side. Um, just while we're on Genduzi, now I know a lot of people are saying he didn't see the board and all that when he was substituted off. And he was, you know, looking around and probably didn't realise because Unai Emery never used to fucking take him off. All I'm going to say, and I'm just going to dangle this out there and I'll leave it to you guys, is did anyone get pissed off with Genduzi for taking a while coming off the pitch when we weren't winning a game? I didn't think so. There we go. Let's move on from that. Um, Joe Willock played uh, ahead of them. And for me, Joe Willock, well, he, Joe Willock was a bit of a box-to-box yesterday, I felt. He was up and down all the time. Um Always works hard, Joe Willock. Effort is there. And I noticed him in the Eintracht Frankfurt game on Thursday, getting visibly irate when Arsenal were chasing a goal and the ball was taking ages to get restarted. And you could see that he cared. And I don't deny that he cares. And I think he respects Freddie a lot. And I think he he wants to do his best for Freddie. But this selection for me screamed out Freddie Lundberg picking his, his favourites. And, you know, I don't want to get on Lundberg's back because it's his first game. And I'm not going to stand there and shout about him and I'm not going to complain, but you have to question some of the decisions. And in many ways, there were things that we hoped would be left behind when Unai Emery went, but some of them are still creeping into our game. And and that was one of them. You know, the the fact that the likes of Willock are being included when maybe they shouldn't be, um, you know, it's a little bit, you know, is a little bit, I don't know. It's a little bit frustrating. I'm just going to come to a comment before I I move on because Obviously, my Genduzi comments have uh, sparked some of you off here. AK Gunner 49 says, Genduzi is just off form at the moment. I still rate him highly. Chris says, Genduzi is trash. I didn't say Genduzi is trash. I said he's been playing poorly, which he has. Where you're sleeping in Tottenham and Villa games. That's what he says. 
what I will say to you is those are probably the two only halves of football this season in which Matteo Genduzzi was outstanding. He's been decent at other times, but that was his his peak. Yeah, that was his peak. So, you know, I, I totally accept that he's had good performances, but we're talking about on a consistent basis. This guy is playing for Arsenal Football Club. He has to deliver all the time. He can't just deliver now and again. That's not good enough. We're Arsenal. And he's not ready. It's not his fault. It's not a criticism of him. It's just the case that he's been thrown in too much too soon. And, and I want to see him uh, taken out of the spotlight a little bit. Um, Aubameyang operating from the right. I, I don't like to see Aubameyang on either flank, but I think if he's going to play on one, it's probably more effective on the right. Um, so I was kind of okay with that. Mesut Ozil was operating from the left, but you know Mesut Ozil, he doesn't stay there, does he? He drift inside, tries to make things happen. I thought he was a little bit quiet yesterday. Um, I'll be honest, he wasn't the worst player on the pitch, but he wasn't great. Wasn't anything to shout about. And Lacazette up top for me was, was disappointing again. And I find Lacazette's performances, particularly away from home, really, really disappointing. And I just think either settle and go with just a Bamiang up top away from home or find another way of working them because, you know, it's just not happening at the minute, um, particularly on the road. And again, it's not a criticism of Freddie. This has been going on for a while. Freddie's only had, what, one training session, three days in charge now. I, I haven't really got an issue with him. Um, I'm just giving you my observations on on the game. The man of the match for me, I mentioned the Bamiang was really good yesterday, but the man of the match and why I've left him till last is Bern Leno. I mean, to think what the score would have been had Burnt Leno not been in goal yesterday. We could have conceded three or four goals easily, quite easily. Um, and I felt that, you know, he was unfortunate and Arsenal were slightly unfortunate in the first half to find themselves 2-1 down because they completely dominated the game. But in the second half, Norwich started to carve out some opportunities and Burnt Leno came to the rescue. So those are my thoughts on on the starting eleven, um, how it all went, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and now I'm going to come on to, to Freddie's substitutions because Freddie's substitutions confused me. Um, and I, I'm going to tell you why. Now, if we just switch the screens over to those of you who are watching, we're just going to go over to the Premier League.com where you can see the timeline of the game. Uh, I think I'll just zoom into that a little bit more for you guys. Uh, there we go. And of course, for those of you listening on the audio, I'm going to go through everything. So do not worry. Um, we look at the substitutions and it was the 70th minute in which Freddie Lundberg made the first substitution. He took off Joe Willock and he brought on Lucas Torreira, which for me made sense. We were getting overrun in the middle of the park. Norwich were breaking forward. They were driving through the middle of the pitch. They had a lot more legs in there with uh, Amadou, is it? And I thought that we were we were in desperate need of someone with a little bit more sorry, of a defensive mindset. Lucas Torreira brought that to the table. He came on and he made some really, really important interceptions. Again, highlighting what he can do when he's played in his actual position, when he can actually snuff out danger. Um, so that change I was absolutely fine with. This one, Matteo Genduzzi off with Kayo Sakharov. Now you could do that because he'd made uh, the other change that he did. Um, Torreira made it a little bit more defensive and you'd assume that he was asked to sit with Xhaka and that would free up uh, maybe Mesut Ozil to move into the number 10 role. Therefore, we could bring someone on on the left flank. Now, for me, Bukayo Saka is a player who has shown glimpses of being a really, really good player. But 
when I went to Sheffield United a few few weeks back now, um, maybe a month or so ago, I can't remember the exact date of it or whatever, I thought that he looked out of his depth. I thought he looked physically weak. He looked off the pace. He looked like he couldn't cope with the men's game. And it sound, as bad as that sounds to say, I just felt like he wasn't ready. I feel like he's a, another one that's been given too much too soon. And yeah, use him in the Europa League games, but away from home in the Premier League, it, it wasn't the answer for me. And I was really surprised to see Lundberg not only overlook Nicolas Pepe, who lots of people have been talking about, but overlook Gabriel Martinelli, who's been sensational every time he has played. That drove me crazy. I couldn't understand that. And I thought that of the three to that, that you could bring on, so Saka, Martinelli, Pepe, Saka was the least likely to have an impact on the game, in my view. And it's a case, again, of Lundberg going with what he knows. He knows these young players. He's worked with them extensively. And perhaps that is having an influence on his decisions. That needs to stop ASAP because we need to focus on, on Arsenal Football Club and what's right for us now, not focus on you know, what they might become because we're in desperate need of results here. And as Freddie said, you know, the top four is not impossible. It's not impossible, but we need to get our shit together and quickly. And I fear that some of these decisions are going to prove to bite us in the ass. Then, of course, there was the last substitution, Mesut Ozil, Gabriel Martinelli, 89th minute. I mean, what chance did he stand of influencing the game um, on the 89th minute? You know, absolutely none whatsoever. So uh, I don't really have an issue um, with, uh, with you know, him not doing much. But I just think the substitution, again, didn't really make sense. I think if you're going to do it, you've got to do it earlier. Uh, but anyway, you know, that's neither really here nor there. I don't think that's the reason we suffered. I think the reason we suffered, again, is because despite some encouraging signs going forward in the first half, we were almost like butter in defence they were just cutting through us like a knife it was way way too easy um, I thought we were slightly unfortunate to find ourselves in the position we did going into the break considering how we played um, but having equalised I expected Arsenal or having equalised for a second time I should say I expected Arsenal to push on and really take it into Norwich and I was kind of waiting and waiting and waiting and it didn't really happen um, Talking about the penalty incident, which was controversial, apparently, according to the Norwich boys, um, Daniel Farker was not happy with that whatsoever. He felt that um, that it should never have been retaken, or Bamiang's penalty I'm talking about. Um, but, and he, you know, Norwich were, were pointing out that Lacazette had encroached a little bit as well. But I think the key point here is that the, we're talking about the guy who cleared the rebound as the man who's the furthest into the box when it's taken. That's got to count for something, surely, because if he doesn't encroach, maybe he doesn't get there first. I think that's why VAR have pulled that up. And I, I can only think that's the reason because we've seen that happen so many times in the Premier League this season where players encroach, but we've not often seen the VAR pull it back for a retake. So I'm thinking that the fact that he got there may have had an influence on that. And I don't know if that's a rule. I, I just think that, that that's probably influenced their thinking um, in terms of uh, whether to pull it back and, and have it retaken. Aubameyang with a little shush sign as well to, to Tim Krull uh, is always good to see. Um, yeah, so those are my thoughts, overall thoughts. Um, to summarise, I think that Freddie Lundberg, um, 
He's visibly excited. He's happy to be in the position. He's going to get a bit of grace because of his reputation. We all love Freddie. But ultimately, Arsenal need to move on and, and get themselves a proper coach sooner rather than later because the longer this goes on, the harder it is uh, to get out of it. And the further behind we fall from the top four, I want Freddie to succeed. And I'm not saying that based on yesterday alone, he's not going to succeed. But looking at the overall picture and thinking about it sensibly, I think we do need to act. And I think we do need to get a manager in as soon as possible. There were some positive elements. The fact that we would look more fluid going forward. There was more variation to our patterns of play, I thought, particularly when playing the ball out from the back, um, which made it harder for Norwich to predict and harder for Norwich to close us down like others have done in recent weeks. So I think there were some positives, but I think the negatives, what the only negative for me would be the substitutions. Uh, That didn't make sense to me. Well, that one in particular where he brought Sakharov, that to me didn't make sense. But in terms of our defensive fragilities, Freddie's not going to correct that in in, a matter of minutes, is he? in a day he can't correct that that's been going on for fucking years it's a systematic problem that Arsenal have had that stretches long before Unai Emery arrived so I think it's harsh to blame that on him and to think that he was going to turn that around instantly I'm still behind him he's Freddie Lundberg at the end of the day we absolutely love him and I I hope he succeeds and in an ideal scenario I'd love to see him go on and win uh, a load of games on the bounce and put himself in contention for the job um But for me, there is a little bit of a danger of when you have someone who's been a member of the coaching staff where everything was so wrong that he's going to carry some of those things forward. So that's a little bit of a concern for me at this moment in time. But we'll have to see how it goes. Um, Yeah, so those are my overriding thoughts. Uh, Not the worst performance of late, uh, not the best result, but I wasn't too disheartened. And for the first time in ages... I woke up actually looking forward to an Arsenal game, which makes a change. Uh, so for that, Freddie, I thank you. Uh, looking ahead, we're going to be uh, coming back to you with some um, more content in the coming days. We're going to try and squeeze a Brighton preview in there. We're also going to be bringing you some Brighton post-match reaction, followed by a podcast on Friday. So stay tuned for that. And in that podcast, we'll be looking at the Brighton and game in more detail as well as looking ahead uh, to next week's game uh, with West Ham United at the London Stadium. So lots and lots coming your way. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to hit like. We're approaching 4,000 subscribers and we want to get there ASAP. So please, please, if you're not subscribed already, please hit the button. And starting from tomorrow, I'm going to be bringing you a daily blog um, where I'm going to be penning some of my thoughts down on a daily basis seeing as I'm writing so much during the day anyway I thought I'd bring a little bit more extra to the table um, and we'll be uh, penning my thoughts no journalist bullshit just my thoughts um, uh, day to day so I'll be doing that five days a week and and you can find that at chroniclesafc.com yes we have a website in case you didn't know we haven't really been using it a great deal and you'll notice that when you visit it because the last post was a few months back but we've we're having some change we're having it um spruced up a little bit and so from tomorrow i'll be putting my first daily blog uh on there for you guys to enjoy if you do enjoy it you can sign up uh, to receive uh, them by email every morning so if you're on your way to work or um on the toilet because i know some people like to read on the toilet you know uh, then please please uh leave your email address there and you'll receive those 
daily as they come through to you. Uh, thank you very, very much. And for those of you asking on the live stream, I am on the same old Arsenal tonight uh, with Craig and Lee. We'll be going live at around about 7.30, I believe, UK time. And of course, audio comes out the next day. So if you fancy... Um, having a listen to that it's a great podcast um please please do check them out as well right until next time take care and ciao